From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. We've talked many times about the opioid epidemic in our community. Today, we're going to focus on part of the underlying cause, and that is pain. Uh, Teresa Baxter is here with me. She's a nurse practitioner who works in the acute pain service at Upstate University Hospital. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about how we got to these, this epidemic that we're in the midst of with um, opioid abuse. How did we get to where we are? Sure. So we wanted to make sure that we treated our patients' pain. Um, and before we knew it, we have now over 64,000 people that have passed away from opioid overdose in 2016. 64,000 Over 64,000 in America, yes. Uh, how did we get to that enormous number? It all started um, uh, back when we decided that we did not want patients to suffer with pain, rightfully so. So we found out that we could use opioid pain medication for that. Opioid pain medication is very useful in many situations, especially for acute pain. So and like after surgery mm-hmm. or something? After surgery or after a terrible injury, they're very effective in treating that immediate uh, acute pain. The problem is when we continue that long term. Um, many years ago, we were told that the opioids were not uh, had very low incidence of addiction, so medical providers were encouraged to prescribe them to their patients uh, with no stopping point and no cap on how, how high of the dosage we could use. So that's what we did. We did not want our patients to suffer. We wanted um, them to be able to lead productive lives. And so we prescribed these medications. And so they're more addictive than we thought. They're a lot more with. addictive than we thought. The, the way that they said that it was uh, not addicting was because there was a very small survey many years ago, um, an article in a medical publication that was uh, focused on just a few patients that did become addicted out of a a number of patients. So they used that as saying the rate of addiction is very low when we know that that's actually not, not the case at all. In previous interviews, we've talked with experts about how some people turn to illegal opioids, such as heroin, um, when a prescription for pain medicine runs out. But that means these people are seeking relief from pain. So I'm wondering, where's this pain coming from? Sure. So when someone has acute pain and we prescribe them opioid pain medication, that's perfect. That's completely acceptable. I do want to point out that opioids are not the only thing that we should use for treating pain. In the acute setting, say you're in a terrible car accident or you have surgery, we may have to use opioids because we know they're very effective. There's so many other things, though, that we should include with the opioids. We like to use multimodal pain management regimen, which would include perhaps um, acetaminophen, ibuprofen, muscle relaxers. We can oftentimes do interventional procedures to help people with pain. So we try to use an entire uh, repertoire of pain relief. And the problem comes when we continue to prescribe the opioids or the patient feels like they their pain is not uh, resolved, so they want to keep taking the opioids. And over time, when opioids are, are put into our system, we become dependent on them, and that can lead to addiction. When we, when we stop people from being able to go everywhere to get their opioids, then uh, they're saying, what are we supposed to do now? <laughs> We're addicted. We need to have these. And I think that's when really the heroin blew up. Now, someone who has chronic pain, um, opioids are not recommended for, for chronic yes. pain, right? Right, or- exactly. The opioids over time change our opioid receptors so we need more and more of it and they don't end up 
actually helping resolve the pain. Why do we have pain? We have pain so that our body can say, stop what I'm doing, address the problem, fix whatever problem it is and move on. Sometimes we have pain and we just have to find ways to kind of um, cope with that to increase our functioning. Um, opioids over time can increase our pain, make us hyperalgesic and hypersensitive. So they can, over time, actually cause more pain. And I don't think a lot of people know that. Um, they, can, they can increase our, our sensitivity to pain and make us feel pain when maybe there's nothing that's causing pain. The, um, you're part of the acute pain service. What, what types of patients? Do you see patients um, struggling with chronic pain or, or acute pain or both? I see all of the above. I, I have several different groups of patients that I work with on a daily basis. The acute pain is relatively simple. Someone has surgery, we can give them an epidural or a nerve block. We'll treat their acute pain and help them with physical therapy and get back to functioning. And they go home and, not, and they just live their lives. We have patients that come in with chronic pain, and we will uh, evaluate them. We will do labs. We will do imaging and see if there's something happening that we must do something about. Um, oftentimes, we get patients with acute on chronic, and we have to try to manage their pain that way. Then we have patients that are at that point where they're moving into addiction, right? They're taking the opioids. They're having the hypersensitivity. And we have to find a way to assure them that there is nothing new physically happening, it's the opioids that are causing the increased pain. So you're trying to prevent them from becoming full, fully? Um, oftentimes people are already addicted, unfortunately. Oh. Uh, so we just have to help them. And sometimes helping them is explaining to them and educating them that these opioids are causing problems. They are, they're, they're increasing your pain. They're making it worse. So is it realistic if someone um, is suffering with a chronic pain, is it realistic for, for them to think that they can live a pain-free life or go back to before the injury or before yeah. the... I think everyone's different. I think that's why we like to focus more on uh, individual patient-centered care. Okay. Um, is it always realistic to be pain-free? Probably it isn't. So what we want to do, our goal is to reduce suffering and make the pain more tolerable and um, restore people to functionality. That's really the goal. Okay. And I've always heard um, the pain scale, the 1 to 10 pain scale. Yeah. It's... Yeah. So that is pretty much the gold standard for assessing pain, um, 0 to 10. I used to say to patients, please tell me what is your pain, 0 to 10, with 10 being the worst pain you've ever felt in your life. But I don't find that to be very useful anymore. I find that 10 is actually the kind of pain where you can't speak, you can't eat, you can't sleep, you just cannot tolerate that pain. That's a 10. Um, and so we go down. And it really, if we use that, that scale appropriately, we can kind of gauge how well we're actually helping the patient and what changes we may have to make. Okay. This is Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Teresa Baxter, a nurse practitioner who works in the acute pain service. Um, now, recently there was a change, I guess it was state law, that um, there's limits now for the amount of painkillers that can be prescribed. So is that going to help reduce um, addiction? So the situation with that is um, we were finding that patients with acute pain or they had a, a surgical procedure were going home being prescribed uh, 30 days plus of opioid pain medication, which that's too much. We realized that most acute pain should resolve for the most part within three to seven days. So the new law is that uh, seven days is the initial prescription for acute pain that patients can be sent home with. If the patient continues to have pain or 
their pain is not getting better, then they would have to see their provider again to be reevaluated and perhaps another prescription is issued. But um, it's better to uh, go back to the patient-centered care, not saying everybody who has this procedure can get 20 days worth of opioids. We're finding that the more pills that are out in circulation, the more chances are that they're going to be misused, not just by the patient, but by diversion. Now, what about medical marijuana? Is that going to help in terms of, um, is that is that something you can prescribe for pain relief? Or I cannot. Uh, you have to have a special license to do that, which is a course. And what happens is the provider uh, assesses the patient, do a certain criteria for medical marijuana, um, and then they're issued the card, and then they go to a, a dispensary to get their um, medical marijuana. I'm not sure. I think that I think it's an option for patients with pain. From what I hear from my patients that get it from an under provider, they say that it does help. So I think it certainly is something that we should consider. Depending on the situation or That's the right. patient. Mm-hmm. Um, are there alternatives to pain medicine that would actually help relieve pain in a lasting way? And if so, why aren't they being used more? Yeah, that is a problem, and it's really multifactorial. So Insurance doesn't pay for things like massage, and sometimes they don't pay for chiropractor or gym memberships. And we know that lifestyle modification is important for any chronic disease. Chronic, chronic pain is something that can be managed with a lot of lifestyle modifications, such as weight loss, strengthening our, our muscles, our core, things like that. Uh, there are medications other than opioids that can be useful in treating pain as well. A lot of cognitive behavioral therapies as well can help. Okay. Let's talk about what we're doing to take care of the people who are addicted. And I know you you said you see some of these people coming to the um, acute pain service. I do. Um, what's, what's offered for them? So we're really working on that quite a lot as a nation. Um, as we know, uh, President, President Trump just declared a national public health emergency for the opioid overdose epidemic. So that hopefully will uh, enable us to have more money to help get people into treatments. So people can, um, if someone is in the hospital, I'm treating someone in the hospital, I can assess them. I can have uh, um, people in the uh, addiction treatment field see them while they're still in the hospital, and we can actually start them on medication-assisted treatment for opioid use disorder or addiction and go from there. Um, we also have that's um, we also have Dr. Brian Johnson, who is our addiction psychiatrist, who sees patients in the hospital as well, and they can follow up with him as an outpatient. We can refer patients to Dr. Ross Sullivan. He has a bridge clinic in the hospital, and a bridge clinic is if we start someone on uh, buprenorphine, which is also known as Suboxone or Subutex, he will see them in his bridge clinic um, to prescribe them the Suboxone while they get into a more permanent provider and program because there's a shortage of Suboxone providers in our area. And Suboxone is used um, instead of an opioid if someone's addicted to Right. So Suboxone is one of the things that we can use a medication for opioid use disorder. Suboxone is basically buprenorphine with naloxone. It's an opioid receptor. It sort of activates the opioid receptor, and it also blocks the opioid receptor. So patients will have some pain relief, but mostly they'll have, um, that'll take away their craving for opioid and withdrawal symptoms, and that's really the key. And it lasts a long time, and it enables them to get into treatments and work on other underlying things that may have led to the addiction or help them kind of get their lives back. Is that why they call it a bridge clinic? Because so, it 
gets them from one place to the next? So, so for the bridge clinic, that's actually if a patient um, is on Suboxone and they don't have a provider in the community because there's a shortage of providers in the community, they can come to the bridge clinic. The bridge clinic is sort of like from point A to point B. You don't have a someone to prescribe this to you, so you can come to the bridge clinic until you can get to a provider to prescribe it for to you. Gotcha. Well, let me ask you this. What do you say to someone if you, if you hear of someone saying that a person who's addicted to, say, heroin, you know, they made the choice to take the heroin? What do you say to that person? I say to them that um, we don't, well, we don't know what leads people to make the choices that they do make. Sure, if someone injects heroin, then they have made that decision, but oftentimes the decision is taken away from them because the opioids change their brain. So say they've gotten a legitimate prescription for opioids and they've taken it for an amount of time where they're now addicted, and then that the opioids are taken away from them because their prescription ran out or something else happens, um, and they start using heroin, it's because their brain has been changed so much that it's almost a primordial response. They need to have that that drug, and sometimes that's the only option for people. Heroin is cheaper than opioid pain medication. Um, it's the same thing, though. Heroin, morphine, Dilaudid, oxycodone, they're all the same, hydrocodone. They're all opioids. So the drive um, to, to find that opioid or, or whatever is, is like a drive for for food or it can be yes and some people do it out of desperation they just they need to not be sick and that's that's why a lot of people continue to seek out the opioids because the pain of withdrawal I understand is horrible they're throwing up they're having diarrhea they're having terrible stomach cramps it's almost like having the flu times 100 from what I hear and that pain that feeling uh, drives people to, they'll do anything to not have that feeling. Um, so they're, they're trying to stay normal. They're not trying to be um, high, if you will. They're trying to just have a feeling of normalcy. And not be sick. And, and not be like sick, this. right. They're, they're, they're so ill from their opioid addiction, and they can't just stop. They may want to. They may want to so desperately. I don't think anybody gets up in the morning and says, hmm, I think today I'll become an opioid addict and I'll start injecting heroin. People don't do that. They're just so desperate to feel normal and to feel good, and they're convinced that it helps their pain and it's going to be okay. Um, if we just educate ourselves on imagining these people, these are people's children, these are people's mothers, fathers, grandparents. You know, um, They didn't wake up saying, I'm going to be a heroin addict today. And and basically, this is a medical issue, and we have to help them. Get help. Don't judge. If you see somebody who's in trouble, offer them help. Direct them to us. Oh. Well, this has been very good information. I appreciate you being here. My guest has been nurse practitioner Teresa Baxter from the Acute Pain Service at Upstate University Hospital. I'm Amber Smith for the podcast and talk show produced by Upstate, HealthLink on Air.